Joining the guys every Friday is college football historian and Vegas legend Bruce Marshall from Vegas Insiders, CBS Sports, and his own website, BAMSports.net. With over 30 years on Memphis radio, with handicapping and sports talk, here's Bruce Marshall with Bryant and Brett. Bruce Marshall joins us now from Vegas Insider, CBS Sports, and BAMSports.net. A lot to get into with him, especially with these conference championship games going on in the NFL. Bruce, thanks so much for joining us. Real excited uh, to talk about some of these games. But I want to start off uh, with some of the games that happened uh, last weekend in the NFL. And specifically, I think what a lot of people would say was the game of the weekend, and that was the Chiefs-Bills. It ended the weekend for us, and the Chiefs uh, escaped with a 27-24 win. What did you make of that game? And I feel like I've heard a lot this year of people saying this Kansas City team is not the same as it's been in the past. I found myself saying the same thing with some of their receivers maybe not playing up to the level that we expect them to play at. But when you look at this team and now back into the conference championship game, I mean, were we just wrong, or, or can you just never bet against a guy like Patrick Mahomes? A little bit of everything, uh, yeah. and I, I don't think you're wrong. Or not. I was saying the same things you guys were and during the regular season. They looked beatable many weeks, and they lost several games this season, and that was for just what you said. The offense wasn't quite moving the same. The wideouts weren't quite as potent. They haven't really been the same since Tyreek left. And the running, uh, the, the pass protection wasn't as, as good this year either. So Mahomes had to do it a little bit differently. It's a little bit more intermediate, short stuff. They didn't have quite the same electricity as they've had in past years. But they, they can still be effective because Mahomes can still control a game with his ability to maneuver and to make those short and intermediate passes. Um, and they run the ball uh, fairly effectively with Pacheco. But I think as we've seen, um, a real difference for the Chiefs is uh, that, that this is the best defense, I think, arguably the best defense they've had in the Andy Reid era. Give Steve Spagnuolo some credit, but you know they've played a lot of games under. That one just snuck over last week, <laughs> but uh, they're tough to beat. And I, I, a lot of people made so much of you know Mahomes on the road winning uh, playoff games. I, they were, I mean, he he had won two Super Bowls at neutral sites. So it's not like he's won every you know he's, every game's been an arrowhead in his playoff career, um, and they were there were some doubts for Mahomes just because of that, which I thought was a little foolhardy. Uh, we we liked the Chiefs last week. Uh, I thought it'd be a little lower scoring, but uh, they still pulled it out uh, late, and here they are again. And Bruce, you had a great week last week picking with us. You were four and two to take your NFL season total to forty and twenty nine. That's five seventy nine. We love that. I know you do. And you're right about Mahomes, the questions around him last week on the road. Well, the big factor on the road in Buffalo is the adaptability to Cole. Well, he's had that. He just played in, you know, one of the record Cole games, yeah. uh, in, including the, the last weekend of the year when the fans died in the snow there oh, uh, in, in Kansas City. I mean, it's, it's that Cole there. Uh, so he, he's used to that. And his escapability, you could argue, won them the Super Bowl last year. That was it was almost as much his legs than his arm. Yeah, he's obviously the great equalizer here. I mean, uh, you can do a lot of things right against the Chiefs, but you have to account for him and he's always capable of coming up with a play and it doesn't always have to be a long touchdown and like we said they're not this is not quite the same offense without uh, Tyreek, but it's still good enough with Mahomes mm-hmm. and uh the the poise too. I mean, you you just got the 
feeling if they had a chance with the ball to win the game, they weren't. And at the end, you know, if they did punch out that last first down uh, on the ground there, uh, though I was getting a little hairy, they needed the defense to uh, to, to make a stop and then uh, hold their breath with Bass on the field goal. By the way, I think we mentioned that last week, that Bass could end up being the, uh, the mm-hmm. a negative there for Buffalo, and field goal kicking is uh, would be an edge for Kansas City in that game, and, and it was. So that's the other thing. Butker never missed a kick. Now, he doesn't have an edge this week because Tucker never misses a kick the other way either. But uh, <laughs> Kansas, City's, Kansas City's never at a disadvantage when it comes down to field goals for sure. Can any fan base be more horrified by the term wide right than Buffalo? Oh, man. No, unless it's uh, Florida State from the long run. I'm not sure if that was wide left. Good one. <laughs> yeah, a couple I mean, of FSU could no. against Miami. Yes, uh, but no, I mean, Nor- maybe, you know, Norwood is uh, off the hook a little bit now that uh, Tyler Bass will be there. But we mentioned that last week. I mean, we had seen him uh, struggle against uh, Pittsburgh the week before when he duck-hooked a very makeable field goal at another one blocked, and his extra points were barely sneaking inside the upright. Uh, so, I mean, his confidence had been shot. And when that happens to a kicker, I mean, uh, Carlson from Green Bay missed a few too many kicks. Uh, kicking is, has, mm-hmm. has come up big in the postseason, and uh, it's uh, no surprise, at least on the AFC side, uh, you got you know two teams that have uh, the, the best kickers left, and uh, that's something to think about when we get to the Super Bowl, too, because whoever they play... Uh, whoever comes out of the AFC is going to have a place kicker edge in the Super Bowl for sure. They, they sure will, because both of them just you can put it on the board. I, I do you think the the field goal kicking, place kicking has been affected by the extra point kicking backing it up, and I think filling uh, NFL kicker psychi- psychiatric offices everywhere with backing up the extra point and those not being as a hundred percent as they used to. I I think perhaps so. Uh, I think a bigger somebody mentioned this to me that long ago because field goal kicking is I, actually it's kind of interesting. We're having some guys missing field goals. I think it's nerves and things like that. It it had become a little bit too automatic, I think. Yeah. And I mean, it's fifty fifty two yard field goals are just routine now. And somebody said it's because they it's the inflating of the balls. They've inflated the footballs a little bit too much, and maybe mm-hmm. they shouldn't. And field goals shouldn't be that easy. And I think. They, the inflation of the footballs where they're at now has helped, and it's, they're a little more inflated than they were a few years ago. And that's helping the kickers, and maybe that's something to look at in the future. But uh, I'm nitpicking there, especially after we saw some guys miss key field goals here in the last uh, two weeks. And, Bruce, we, we, we know in college that those kickers, they, they have a ball, especially when you're home team and you control most of the, 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 the footballs in play. They have a ball that they prefer to kick, and in the 70s, when when those Southwest Conference kickers like Russell Erksleben, Tony Franklin, Steve Little at Arkansas, when they were all making those 60-yard bombs like it yeah. was a layup, Bruce, they all had a – I know this for a fact. They all had a gentleman gentleman's agreement with each other, run the ball in there you want and kick it. And Steve Little had a ball that – and he, he was great. I'm not, I'm not diminishing him. The late Steve Little, I'm not diminishing, but he he had a ball he preferred to kick, and when they were at home, they would get that ball in play, and if you got that sucker in the air, it was good from 60. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, and they they talked about that a lot in the old days. I mean, the uh, the Raiders talked, they talked about that with the Raiders, uh, with uh, when they were punting with Ray Guy, that was something that came up a long time ago. 
So it, it could happen. I mean, that, it helps kickers if you've got the balls more inflated, that's for sure. I'm curious, before we get to these games this weekend, uh, the news came out, uh, Bill Belichick, it seemed like everyone thought he was going to get that Falcons job. The and door and Yes, yeah, really did. And, and they go uh, Raheem Morris, uh, they go in a different direction, go a younger coach, a defensive coordinator, um, that will get his first shot as head coach. Uh, what was your reaction to that move, and, and what's next for Bill Belichick? Could you see him you know, skipping a year, sitting out a year, and then coming back at, at his age? That seems like it could be a factor, but what do you think uh, is next for Bill well, Belichick? Well, Brian, it looks like he'll have no choice if he wants to come back. I'm not sure yeah. where anything else is open for him right now. Uh, and one other note, Raheem Morris has been a head coach before. Three years, not too successful with the Bucks. And, right. yeah. you know, I, I, and I wonder, in, in what world is Raheem Morris a better pick than Belichick or, or, or Mike Vrabel? Um, it's, it it's astounds me. Um, but uh, Belichick, I think there were some other things working there within the Falcon organization. Perhaps Richie McKay is still the team president there, and Arthur Blank still has these guys in place, and a lot of them weren't ready to hand over the reins to Belichick, um, which Belichick wanted. So I, you could, I could understand uh, Belichick being a hard fit into some organization. He wants to come in there and have control, yeah. and I'm not sure that was going to come his way. At Atlanta, I think there were better candidates than Morris out there they could have looked for. It. Um, but so be it. We'll see what happens. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess for Belichick, if he wants to try it again, he might have to wait till next year because it doesn't look like that's the way Washington is uh, is looking. And uh, and I'm not sure what else is going to come open out. They're filling all these jobs as we speak. Bruce, on the whole, windows opening, windows. Shutting. We are we're constantly reminded by a good friend of ours that joins us on Thursday on NBA on, on the NBA. He always talks about it's never as wide open as most of the fan base and the media thinks it is. It's usually more narrow. For Buffalo, this this version of window open is it now shutting? Uh, it's closer to shutting than it was a year or two ago. Well, that means uh, it ain't wide I, open then. Yeah, and. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I think Allen is still uh, in his prime, so they've got a few years with him, but it's it's everything else around him. And I, you know, you wonder um, about Sean, is Sean McDermott the guy to get them over the hump? Now, I think Buffalo is closer than Dallas is, um, and, and whether you've got a Super Bowl-ready team, uh, I don't think Jerry does in Dallas, and he seems to think he does. Um, mm. Buffalo, I think, realistically does, and maybe you think about McDermott. Is he the guy to push them over the hump? They're close to being in the same spot. I mentioned this last week uh, to Brian on the show, where, where Denver was with John Fox after Peyton Manning's first three years. And John Elway, one of the yeah. few things he was correct about uh, when he was running the Broncos from a personnel side was – he thought they, this team could win the Super Bowl. He didn't think they could win it with Fox. So he said, I think we can win it with Kubiak. And it was Wade Phillips, who I think was more responsible for that Super Bowl win. But uh, he thought they needed a change to get over the hump, and Fox wasn't going to win the Super Bowl for him. Buffalo's going to have to ask that question about McDermott. I know he's got a great record, uh, and he's in the playoffs. He's been winning the division in recent years. But if you want to win the Super Bowl, if that's your goal, uh, you know, do you think you can do it with him? That's the question Buffalo has to ask itself. Bruce, on the Jerry Jones maybe deluding himself of how close they are, 
and and, and we we see this a, a lot in sports. And Bruce, I know you've seen it some in in political campaigns. Those advisors, whether it's assistant coaches or or political Svengali's, they're always telling that boss, "Oh man, we're right there. We're, I mean, we, we're within striking distance." Now, a lot of them say, "Now, if you spend a, a you know a couple hundred, another hundred thousand dollars with the ad agency that I'm making twenty, you know, about twenty percent off of, you can really get over the top." Mm-hmm. Don't you think he may have a, a a cabinet, a room full of people, knowing we can tell this guy all year we're close when we know we're not really close? I uh, could be. That's very possible, and they're telling Jerry what he wants to hear. You really, because Jerry signs off on everything, and um, I think that could definitely be true. And that's just you know sort of human nature. And they say, well, we'll just make Jerry think he's still he's really close, and uh, uh, he'll be less reluctant to do that. Now there was a time when when Jerry was a lot more, uh, you know, he, he wasn't this patient, um, but yeah, and that's partly. Jerry does seem the sort that would like to have guys around him who agree with him. And that's mm-hmm. what has, I think, happened in Dallas and why they're... And I don't think they're that close. I really don't. And uh, Jerry seems to think that. But Jerry's thought that for a long time. He thought that with, with Garrett, too. And uh, with Jason Garrett and with Romo. Sure did. And they really weren't that close then, either. But he mm-hmm. kept thinking they were. And it's yeah. been a long time with Dallas, so I think they he might be, be right. They might be closer Brent. now. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, I, yeah, I, I knew a, I, I knew a man that was a very prominent attorney, and in the late sixties, you will remember this, Coach Bryant. After that first initial domination at Alabama, he hit a lull in the late sixties, and yep. things weren't going well. Lost a Gator Bowl to Missouri, tied Oklahoma in a Blue Bonnet Bowl, uh, lost to Gene Stallings in a Cotton Bowl, and and he was afraid that his assistant coaches were telling him what he wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So unbeknownst to them, he hired this man. He goes, I want you to scout my games. They don't know you're around. You give me a legit read. And at the end of the year, or you know, at some point during the year, he went in and said, Coach Brown, your, 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 your talent is very deficient. It's nowhere near what it was, and these guys are blowing smoke. Mm-hmm. And that's when he made a lot of staff changes and, and ide- ideology changes with the offense. Well, that's true. And they went to the wishbone at seven one. Remember that uh, Liberty Bowl against Colorado too, and Bobby Anderson ran over them. I was there. Nine, so yeah, you were there. Yeah, and that that was like what four, three, four years in a row they didn't. Forty seven thirty three. Yep, forty seven thirty three, and then uh, they tie Oklahoma the next year. One other note, though. I mean, uh, uh, breaking the color barrier became imperative at that point, and sure did. that was that was the other thing Alabama. And was already starting before that game with USC, by the way. Uh, so I think he realized that, and they saw that, and and switching to the wishbone in '71. Uh, I mean, that was uh, that was a major, major deal. And uh, then that success in the '70s followed. Talking to Bruce Marshall from Vegas Insider, CBS Sports, and BAMSports.net. Let's get to some of these games uh, this week, and I guess the only two games this weekend in the NFL. Let's start with that first one. We're going to get some crazy Sunday. basketball. Oh, yeah, we've got to. We've got to. But first, we've got to get to these NFL games. AFC Championship, Chiefs-Ravens, 2 o'clock uh, here locally in Memphis on Sunday. Right now, Baltimore a four-point favorite. That total sitting at 44.5. What do you like in that one, Bruce? 
I like Kansas City. I don't buy that the Ravens are unbeatable, and you're hearing all this talk about. I know Lamar played a good game last week, and I'm sort of willing to accept. You know, it's been it was three years since his previous playoff failure. He hadn't played a playoff game in three years, and he looked good last week. But I mean, I it wasn't long ago I saw the Browns go into Baltimore and legitimately beat the Ravens. That wasn't that long ago. Um, They are not unbeatable. Houston was vulnerable, and we ended up liking uh, Baltimore last week uh, because we weren't sure Houston could punch back with them, and, and sure enough, they couldn't. Uh, Kansas City's different. I mean, they're resilient as heck. Um, that defense is uh, legit. They saw a mobile quarterback last week, and Allen hurt them some. But uh, Spagnolo is very clever, and I have a feeling he'll at least try to keep Lamar in check. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, Baltimore is really good when they the opposing team can't control Lamar on his runs. So I think that's it yeah. pretty much comes down to that. Uh, and fr- from that, everything else uh, revolves for, for Baltimore. But I'm not going to bet against uh, Mahomes, and I, and I do think you know this is the best Kansas City defense we've seen. So of uh, the read era, I think the Chiefs can win this thing. 22-19, my score forecast. And that might be Butker kicking a bunch of field goals, but if that's what it takes, I think the Chiefs will do it. So you're just putting out the plus four. Do you want to take money line? Yeah, you could. I think you could. Nice, decent price. Yeah. But uh, four is not bad, so you can go sure there if you want a, a little half bet then on the uh, on the money line. might not be bad either. Yeah. I like that. Uh, the second and final game, the NFC Championship game, Lions and 49ers at Levi Stadium. Right now, 49ers, a whole touchdown favorite, seven-point favorite the 49ers are. That total sitting at 51-and-a-half. What do you like in that one? Yeah, there's a few seven-and-a-halves out there now, too, and that bumped up a little bit yesterday oh, when wow. there was word Debo actually showed up at practice, though he didn't on Wednesday. He did yesterday. He didn't do much, but I mean, he was at practice and practicing. Uh, so I think that may have a little bit to do with the bump, and that's an important thing for the 49ers because I think they are a much different offense when Debo's there. We talked about that in the regular season when he went out is when they slumped uh, late uh, October there, uh, early November. They, they lost a game at Cleveland, the Minnesota game, no Debo. Uh, they struggled some last week without him. He stretches the field. He is their most valuable receiver. I don't want to say most valuable player because. The drop from Purdy to Darnold is significant, and no McCaffrey would be rough. But from the receiving standpoint, uh, you know he's more important than Ayuk or, or Kittle. So it's important he's there, and we're not 100% sure that he is. However, and I, one other note, I mean, San Francisco has failed to cover six straight games at Santa Clara. Um, that is assuming, uh, that's kind of a loss against the Bucks in late November, a game that early in the week it, You've been in the 49ers, you would have won, but the, the line moved and the Ram game in the last regular season when the guys all rested. But uh, that, the numbers are what they are. Nonetheless, I think this is when Detroit gets unmasked this weekend. Um, they've had a, 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 a really exciting run here, but there's two games that really bother me for them, uh, and three, actually. But one is Baltimore when they got uh, boat raced at Baltimore. The next one, the same thing almost happened against the Bears in Chicago. The Bears almost got him at home, too. Um, let's see what happens when they're playing a game outdoors on the road and things don't go well. Uh, you know Kansas City is resilient enough to overcome that, and last week the 49ers overcame that. Um, but I still think Detroit was fortunate to get by the Rams in the first round. Now they're out on the road. 
their pass defense is leaky. Um, this is why if Debo, and this is mostly, I'm assuming Debo is going to play. If Debo plays, the Niners win this game by two touchdowns. So that's going to be my prediction. Uh, 34-20 San Francisco. Uh, I think it might get over the total a little bit, but I, I'll keep it just as a recommendation on the uh, on the Niners side. We'll see what happens. Bruce, are we certain Brock Purdy is improvement over Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, they are uh, in San Francisco, uh, and I think he is. How much? I'm not quite sure. What he can do, Garoppolo works, can work within the system, but um, he can't really improvise things, and Purdy can do that. Um, maybe not as consistently, and he's still young, but uh, the important thing is the Niners think he's a big upgrade, and that's why they yeah. they were pretty quick to make that decision. And, and there were some financial reasons, too, where it's not costing him as much, but... Mm. Absolutely. Well some of the shines off Brock Party though, isn't it? Yeah. Well a little bit from from yeah, and uh struggle, but they did. See, I'm I'm of the opinion though, they found a way to pull that thing out. Green Bay was hot and uh that game last mm-hmm. week was not going well for San Francisco. You find a way to pull that out. Um you know, it doesn't work that way for all the uh, you know, quarterbacks all the time. Now we're only talking two years of work for Purdy, and a, you know a little over a season plus actually for him. So yeah, he's got to establish himself a little bit more. But I I came out actually thinking, you know what? They found a way to win that game last week, and uh, that was good. Yeah, uh, Bruce, I know uh, really no, no lines at all out for any of the college basketball games tomorrow. Um, a, a very limited slate tonight in college basketball. Is there anything you like tonight, or any games that you're kind of keeping an eye on uh, when those lines drop for tomorrow? Yeah, three tonight. I might looking over in that MAC game between Ohio U and Kent State. Both teams a little bit disappointing, but they've both mm. been trending over. St. Bonaventure at home, I think it's St. Joe's tonight. Uh, they've beaten St. Joe's five straight times in Olean by double digits each time. It's a better St. Joe's team this year, but I think St. Bonaventure gets them. And in the Battle of the Bay Area, I take Cal over Stanford tonight in Berkeley. Cal's not all that bad, and some of the transfers have really started to kick in, including AMAC, the big 6'11 kid. He will be a yeah. problem for Stanford in the paint. Tomorrow, there's one that's jumping at me. Uh, you got Kentucky off a loss. You got Arkansas, which is going down the drain really quick. Uh, the number is not going to be prohibitive uh, in Fayetteville, uh, but I am going to lay the price with Kentucky. I think this could get really ugly tomorrow, just like it got for Arkansas the other night with Ole Miss. And Brent Brett was there, and he saw it. And he he told me he said Ole Miss is going to get him, and they sure did. And I think Kentucky does the exact same thing. I think this is going. So bad for Arkansas right now. It just it's it's a disaster. And Kentucky could Bruce, what, off a loss like that, they could really lay a oh, yeah. licking when, at them. When the Arkansas people are telling you at the hotel, <laughs> we're going to get double not smoke tonight. Oh, man. You can count on a smoking. Yeah, and they were smoked the other night too. But this is this tonight is in Berkeley. Will, will, will there be any ceremony? Because the next time these two teams <laughs> play in Berkeley. They'll be members of the Atlantic Coast Conference. That's right. Do they even realize right. that in Berkeley? <laughs> I'm not sure they realize anything in Berkeley other than their <laughs> stuff they normally do, but uh, we yeah. realize it, and uh, Mark yeah. Madsen realizes it, and so does Jerry yeah. Haas, I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> We're looking out for him, aren't we? That's right. <laughs> well, Bruce, before we let you go, uh, where can people find more of you? Yeah, check 
uh, my picks out on VegasInsider.com. Hey, the NBA is going really good for us. We were 3-0 last night. Mm. So uh, yeah. we got that. Got some colleges staying in the NHL and some football for this weekend, too. So all my picks are at VegasInsider.com. You can also read my stuff at some picks, too. CBS Sportsline, Sportsline.com, once in a while up there at CBS Sports HQ as well. Well, Bruce, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck this weekend, and we'll do it again next Friday. Okay, guys, thank you much. Thank thanks, you, Bruce. Bruce. Bruce Marshall from Vegas Insider, CBS Sports, and BAMSports.net. Always fun getting some picks from him on a Friday afternoon. Well, we are late for a break. Let's go ahead and take that. When we come back, we're going to talk some Razorbacks. We just mentioned about that bad loss against Ole Miss. We'll we'll see how Ty's uh, feeling on the other side next. We're talking to Ty Richardson. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. For Wolo and Friends, weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Time to talk Razorbacks on Sports Time. Joining the guys is Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas to talk all things Hogs and SEC. On Twitter X at Ty Sports Radio, here's Ty Richardson with Bryant and Brett. Come on, all you Razorback fans, let's stand up and call those Welcome back into Sports Time. Brian and Brett with you. Uh, we're live out here at the Agri Center for the Mid South Sport and Boat Show. Always so much fun being out here. Get out here. I mean, there's so many. We're surrounded by just beautiful boats. Start all types of summer. I mean, really, and it's perfect. The weather out there is looking good, and uh, and it's a perfect time after Tiny's all that. He's one of cold. these big old boats. He, he sure get out does. on Beaver Lake next summer <laughs> in, in Northwest Arkansas. Ty, what's going on, my man? Man, that. That sounds like a match made in paradise. I love uh, Arkansas. <laughs> the unique thing about Arkansas is you got Beaver Lake in northwest Arkansas, Lake Hamilton, Greer's near, sorry, Lake Hamilton and Washington near Hot Springs. You got Greer's Ferry. Uh, there's just a lot of great lakes here across the natural state. Mm-hmm. You sure do, Ty. And one time I was asked, I was on the old with David Basil and that crew at, at the Buzz, and I, I don't know how it got around to it. And they said, name your favorite lake. And I swear, I said Beaver. <laughs> From from in college up there, a good friend of mine had his family had truly, literally, his dad developed Beaver Lake and it had one of the great houses and it, it, it's the forgot it's the forgotten great lake of Arkansas. Yeah. That's great. I, I I still to this day will never understand how you know every important slash prominent person <laughs> inside the state. I mean, you went to with the freshman camp with Marcus Elliott. I mean, I'm right. Brian, you would be shocked at like the names I'd rattle <laughs> off of people I know of, and then, and oh, then I believe it. Bra- and, and, and stats will just be like, "Yeah, I, I had this with him, or I did this with him." Or, oh yeah, we were, <laughs> we were classmates I, together. I'm just like, goodness Ty, gracious! I, I can tell it. you my favorite Marcus Elliott uh, story. Marcus Elliott, who sometimes helps out at the Buzz and on Razorback coverage, played for the Razorbacks. He he is he is my age, and we went to Boy State together the summer That's before our freshman year at Fayetteville, and then we were big, we're real tight from that. And he played, and all these college all-star games are going on now, and he played in the Hula Bowl out in Hula and, 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 and brought me back a great button from it that I, I'll send a picture of it and, and show it to you because it, re- it, it was really something back then to play in the Hula Bowl. And I want to say way back when, maybe first MVP of the Hula Bowl, Maybe was Lance Allworth from Arkansas? Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, Bambi. That is a uh, that is a name that a lot of Arkansas fans are familiar with. Bambi was his nickname, Brian. That's, he's uh, he's a great nickname. 
best he was the, Now, help ever. me on this guy. Was he uh, stats? Was he a Louisiana or, or Mississippi boy? I can't remember. I say no, boy, no. I uh, mean uh, Brookhaven, Mississippi. And okay, that, and that's when Ole Miss was kings of college football. But Coach Vault would not accept married players, and he he was already married. And, and Frank Brawl said, "I'll I'll take him." And he was he was try, he was trying to get his program going. And a couple of years after that, Coach Vault relaxed that policy because it was a a big miss missing out on on Lance Allworth from Brookhaven, Mississippi. And he was the first AFL player ever inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ty Richardson, our guest from ESPN Arkansas in in Western Arkansas and Northwest Arkansas, Fort Smith, Fayetteville, across the across the Arkansas River Valley, and and Ty tomorrow. Game day will be at Fayetteville, but the Razorbacks at ten and nine. I guess if you can beat Duke, you can beat Kentucky. Is that what you got to kind of count on? Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're going to try and find salt and something, I guess it would be that. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. If I'm trying. Blood, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow could be a bloodbath, guys, and I hope it's yeah. not the case because I'm going, and I really don't want to watch two hours of abysmal basketball. Uh, we know Arkansas and Kentucky, despite Arkansas a lot of times being the underdog, has found a way to compete. Uh, they're going to have yeah. to tomorrow because Kentucky is going to come in or white hot, white angry. I mean, just fuming angry after what happened in Columbia earlier this week. So mm-hmm. they better be ready, or Kentucky will blow their doors off tomorrow night. Well, I know injuries have been an issue, uh, especially with that game against Ole Miss. Tremont Mark didn't play in that game against Ole Miss because of migraine. Trevon Brazil missed the entire second half with knee soreness. Um, they kind of ruled it as. Uh, we know he had that ACL um, injury last year. Khalif Battle exited the game but then came back late in the second half. Uh, where are we from an injury standpoint? What have you heard going into tomorrow's game? I think Battle's going to be okay. Um, I bet Mark and, and Brazil will play. Um, that's just my guess. I haven't. Um, Musselman had a press conference earlier today, and I haven't had a chance to listen to it just yet. Mm, um, but yeah. I wouldn't, I, I, I'm just going to go off the, um, the guess that they will both play tomorrow because I think they were both really iffy for um, this, this, past, uh, this past game. Uh, and then uh, I also noticed I didn't get to catch that game, and I, I really – kicked myself the other day because I wanted to watch it, Ole Miss and Arkansas, um, and I didn't know it was on ESPNU. I was checking out all these other games. I was bouncing around and uh, didn't even know it was on ESPNU. But I I did notice, and and I saw a lot of people write about it um, that cover the team, but Devo Davis um, did not play at all in the second half, only um, played about seven or eight minutes um, in the first half. What is going on there with Devo Davis, and and what has been the issue? Has it been effort? Has it been what? what, What's the matter with uh, with Devo Davis and and his playing time uh, being limited? There's been a disconnect all season there, and I think it's been really frustrating uh, for fans because they don't know what's going on. Uh, Buss hasn't elaborated what's going on. Devo doesn't get interviewed each week. And I think fans just want to know, hey, what, like, what's the deal? What, what does he need to yeah. play? What, why is he benched? Or, uh, what, what gets him going? Uh, it, it's been frustrating because he hasn't necessarily materialized to the player that that thought he was going to be senior year, I think, from a fan's perspective. And, uh, again, there there's so many things that get said when stuff happens like this. And I don't know what to believe because – uh, no one will be. Uh, no one's open about it. It's a very short answer from Musk. Like he said, coach's decision on when. I don't blame him. I mean, if he wants to keep it his house, that's his prerogative. But that's just yeah. kind of the, what the uh, the radio host and the fan base just left the left the time to talk about there, Brian. Ty for for Eric Musselman. Look, uh, I I don't think this should 
be forgotten at all and sure shouldn't be discounted. Two Elite Eights and a Sweet 16 in the last three years. Okay, you have a major stumble when I and many others thought they had a loaded team, uh, but it showed the inconsistent signs early with the, you know, to the, was it Wilmington or Asheville? It was we, Wilmington. Wilmington. With the loss to UNC Wilmington, and that, that was the bad. Wasn't great in the Bahamas, but then the good with Duke, but then you're uh, so inconsistent, and I think the portal – Finally, Maybe it wasn't Wilmington. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was one of the UNCs. It, it was one of the UNCs. And, uh, and, and the, 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 the portal got Eric Musselman. It's going to get a lot of people across college football and college basketball, and it just takes a couple of losses for that checkout factor to set in to very nomadic players. And I'm being kind and describing them as nomadic. But Eric Musselman, you don't think he's getting restless to want to get out of there, do you? That's the that's the question that people are standing behind closed doors that are Arkansas basketball fans because mm-hmm. as disappointed as they are about this season, they do wonder. I and mean, then there's a couple jobs. I haven't looked at UCLA lately. At one point, McCrone was not having a good year. Neither was Andy Anfield for USC. Uh, Arizona jobs not popping open anytime soon. Uh, you just wonder. Um, Louisville's probably. I mean, there, there's several destinations that are um, either out west is more to his liking. Um, that's something to just keep an eye on. And then, I mean, I think Louisville and Arkansas are pretty comparable jobs, even though Louisville's had more early or late success. I know Arkansas has mm-hmm. been to the, the, the Sweet 16s and the Elite 8s that you just mentioned, but Louisville's won national championship under Patino. So I, I, I don't know where his head is at. Um, Danielle, uh, his wife, and Mariah, his young daughter, seem to like um, Fayetteville. Uh, he's got two sons on the staff currently. Both have graduated from college. So, I mean, he's... I would guess he's pretty mobile if he chooses to do so. I know, I know Arkansas fans would be sad to see him leave. Uh, the ones that are angry right now would be the same ones that were, were furious that he's gone. <laughs> Just how it is, yeah. I guess, guys. Yeah. And, and, and with football season and now this in basketball, is it safe to say the most anticipated opening afternoon, mm. opening night for DVH for Dave Van Horn ever? And that, that puts even more pressure on him, even though he's been, you know, one of the all-timers. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. And uh, I know some people, uh, when they say that they're that the, the sports are separate, they, they are. There's truth to that. But the fan base cheers for all three. And so when one has a really bad year in football, then you and multiply it with what's basketball. And, again, there's 12 conference games. We'll see what happens. But right now it doesn't look good. And then the mm-hmm. basket and the baseball, be it a preseason top five team. Here's the other yep. thing you got to think about stats. And you would, you know this, your nickname stats, 64, 94, 2024. I've been on that stand for, for like a year now. You sure have. They wanted, I love they it. wanted foot, they wanted football in 64, basketball in 94. So it sets up the baseball one 24. And, uh, hopefully I'm in Omaha on June the, I think 26, 27th when they, uh, when they win the game three on Monday night or whenever that is. Ty, I like that optimism, mm-hmm. and it's, it's well-founded. It, it sure can happen. And if that happens, then for kind of Razorback Incorporated, for people that, that – a great fan base that want to put that gear on around the 4th of July and wear it all the way to around about the, to the next 4th of July with football, basketball, and baseball, that would satisfy them. Yeah. All wells that ends that ends well. That's a lot of pressure, though, on Dave Van Horn, and they ha- – 
I'm not saying him, but they haven't handled that in Omaha that well. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you see hog polos across the Redneck Riviera if Arkansas won, and uh, there'd be more Arkansas um, signage, flags, and everything else than you've probably ever seen in your life in the United States because people, mm-hmm. um, especially, and I think what it would do is I think it would make up to a certain extent the, the basketball and football seasons and potentially sink some money in IL. I saw that Ole Miss just added two offensive sure linemen from That's Washington. a great point. I mean, yeah. so I, I know it's baseball, and it's of the three sports in Arkansas, it's the third on the in the pecking order. But then people are like, "Okay, let's 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 get let's get reenergized. Let's get going. We like this feeling. Let's let's see what we can help mm-hmm. out for football and basketball." Because I mean, Lane Kiffin is showing you the formula: you win, people sure invest. And I, I wouldn't character. Yeah, I wouldn't care. I mean, that's you would know more than me. I wouldn't ca- characterize Ole Miss as this just flush for cash school that alumni are just dripping with dollars. But it, it's they, not Arkansas. Yeah, they know what they have right now, and they've got a really good head ball coach who's got a lot of talent, and no more Nick Saban that they have to deal with. They won't even schedule. They're not even scheduled to play at Alabama. You get Georgia at home. If I'm an Ole Miss fan, I could be 80 years old, and I've never. And I know Archie played and Eli played. I have never been more excited for a football season in my entire life. And what's that ahead for me this fall? And and that's the draw. And you make that good point. You get out there to Omaha and you have those days off. And and I, I call I said this at the Peach Bowl. You have that fundraiser. Heck, you get everybody drunk, drunk or in hell. You pass the hat, and the NIL coffers get full. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had this running joke. Uh, and Brian and Stats, me, uh, Chuck, and Tommy. It's like after a, a big play on the football field, you pass around the offering plate. Uh, November the sixteenth when. When Texas is in town, if Arkansas is able to win, then you pass out the offering after that game. There's there's been a lot of Baptist church preachers that made a oh, yeah. made a fortune on just as, as I am <laughs> yeah. passing that plate around during it. Yeah, sure no, there's no question about it. I'm curious with baseball right around the corner. I'm I'm so excited to to start watching some college baseball. But I was reading up on this team and and uh, D1 baseball put out their kind of preseason, you know get to know the the teams of the top 25 teams and and kind of the first thing they pointed to was the pitching rotation for Arkansas. I've been hearing everybody talk about Hagen Smith who's back for the Razorbacks after a really good season last year. They bring in another starter from Texas Tech from last year. How good will this starting rotation uh and really this uh this pitching staff in general for the Razorbacks be this year? They're going to be salty. And uh, they're preseason top 5 a number of different publications uh Arkansas pitching uh, usually, it seems like, like a lot of other SEC schools, loses one guy before the season to a mm. season injury. Hopefully, this uh, staff yeah. doesn't because if they're healthy, Brian, like those guys, and I'm forgetting the tech kid's name. I think it's Molina. I think it's Molina. Molina, Mason Molina. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a, he, he's apparently a dog. And then Smith is going to be a first rounder. Uh, Brady Tiger has the potential to be a first rounder, Mississippi kid. So yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot to like in that, uh, that clubhouse. And for Dave Van Horn to, get 2018 off his back to kind of finish what Norman DeBryan started and to, again, um, culminate with the championship in Omaha at the tail end of June would be uh, would be about the best thing. And, and just it, it, Arkansas athletics need some air right now. They need oxygen, mm-hmm. and he sure could supply it if they ended up in Omaha yeah. this year. No, you're right. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, I'm excited for baseball to start. I know a lot of Arkansas fans are ready to get out there and, and root on the Hogs um, on the Diamond. But, Ty, always so much fun talking to you. And uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll do it again next week. 
Guys, enjoy the boat show, and uh, if you want to cop me one, we'll uh, we'll go out to Beaver and have fun. Okay. <laughs> you, you got what's your sign going to say tomorrow at, at game day? What's your sign? Oh, gonna find you? It's that it's just going to say win a game. <laughs> uh, we need a win. Game. That's yeah, we like need a, win. a good enough sign. <laughs> Thanks, Ty. See you guys. You got See it. Ty Richardson. He joins us every single week from ESPN Arkansas to talk the Razorbacks and the SEC and. A big one tomorrow um, for them as they host game day, take on a, a really good Kentucky team that's going to be uh, really, really ready to go after that loss against South Carolina. Um, and then baseball starts. They're right around the corner. So uh, a lot going on in Arkansas right now. Well, let me remind you, we're out here at the Agri Center live at the Mid-South Sport and Boat Show. Make sure you get out here. They'll be out here all weekend. We're here till 6 o'clock. We're also giving away tickets. Memphis versus Rice next week. We've got two four-packs to give away. So if you're coming out here if you're not coming out here stop by ten dollars to get in and see all of these great boats accessories everything you could need uh here when spring and summer get here but we need to take a break when we come back it'll be time for big number of the day broadcasting from the family leisure studio we are sports 56 and 98.5 fm Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The Big Number of the Day. Well, Brett, I really love my big number today. We've talked uh, a lot, and you look these past couple of weeks in college basketball, and it's really been tough for ranked teams going on the road against non-conference opponents. We've seen so many teams in the top ten fall, and I saw this stat earlier today. My big number is 38.6. Another decimal in there, but that is the percentage uh, this season uh, for winning percentage for AP top ten teams this season on the road against unranked opponents. They're 17 and 27 this season. In the last five years, last year I should say, last year it was 59.8% was the winning percentage of AP Top 10. Pretty good bet. A pretty good bet. This year it's 38.6. The last five years, the lowest it's ever gotten is 58.9. You can say whatever you want about it, whether it's the transfer portal, whether it's still some of these super seniors playing. I don't know what it really is, but there's no doubt about it that top 25, top 10 specifically teams are having trouble going onto the road last into night. these environments. We saw it last night. It's just tough to win road games. It is. And last night, Oregon State gets mm-hmm. Arizona. Sure did. And But I also saw you retweet our guy at University of Denver. Sure did. Yeah. Double overtime. How about that? Oh, Tommy Bruner. Oh, man. What a guy. And, and is Brett. he the nation's leading scorer? <laughs> if, he's, he if he's not, I, he's certainly up there. Um, but Brett, you know, I, I I wanted to I wanted to talk about this yesterday, and we just completely ran out of time. I was going to talk to you about off air. Denver basketball drives me crazy. You got a nickname? The I don't pioneers. Pioneers. That's right. Well, here's the problem, Brett. Is Denver basketball? They broadcast their home games on their website live. You got a live stream, whatever. But it's behind a paywall. You have to pay to watch Denver for basketball Denver for the Denver Pioneers. But and Brett, 
I go to a, I, I, I do a lot of things. I, I spend money watch, to watch a lot of different events, you know, especially for sports. Denver Pioneers? But not for the, no. that is where I draw no. the line. I will not, not pay to watch the, the Denver Pioneers. And so I have not been able to watch, I'll be able to watch them when they're on the road. Haven't been able to watch them much, but I did see that highlight, a great game for Tommy Bruner. Um, last night had the steal and then kicked it around. They got an open three. It was a lot of fun. Denver one time, this is weird. Okay. In a Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Whoa. In the year 2000, Whoa. <laughs> I go to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in North Little Rock. Okay. And they were in the Sun Belt. Well, Brett, I, I thought we were about to get weird with conferences and teams being all it's over it's the place. I mean, good it Lord, really Denver in the Sun Belt? Yeah, wow. they were. <laughs> and I can't remember their coach, but he was an old Maryland lefty Dizelle guy. Mm. And all he wanted to do was play defense. <laughs> I love and, it. And, and wanted to win 39-38. Defense wins championships, Brett. <laughs> yeah, but at that level, you got to have Tommy Brunner. <laughs> that's uh, right. And you're trying to get behind a paywall. Uh, yeah. My big number is 33. That's the number of conference championship games for these four teams this weekend. 19 for San Francisco, wow. 7 for Kansas City. Remember, so, uh, some of that was in the AFL. Mm-hmm. 5 for Baltimore. And two, this is the second wow. one ever for the Detroit Lions. They were blasted Crazy. after the 91 season in the NFC Championship game by Washington. And that was uh, Washington when they won it mm-hmm. in 91 with Mark Rippian at quarterback. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, San Francisco, the the success that they have had, and and then going up against the team that that's is the complete Joe opposite. Was. Oh yeah, win three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Win it with Joe Theismann, win it with Doug Williams, win it with Mark Rippey. That's incredible. So I mean, that's a it's a good number, and it's it's hard to think the team that's been there the most going up against the team that's been there the least, and and we'll see what happens on on Sunday. And I almost went with this today. Uh huh. And I'm hoping we can talk about it and can bring it up Super Bowl week with yeah. the Detroit Lions in it. Uniform number 20 for the Detroit Lions. It's retired. Everybody thinks Barry Sanders. Well, of course. It, sure. It, it is for Barry Sanders. They had a defensive back, late 60s, early 70s, Liam Barney, mm-hmm. that is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that it's retired also far. He, he's honored as well. But there's a third person that it's, that's honored, and if he hadn't have gotten hurt early in his career – there would have never been a Barry Sanders in Detroit because he would have been the feature tailback, and that's Billy Sims, boomer, really? yeah. on Heisman Trophy night. That yeah, guy, yeah, wow. Uh, he was wearing number 20, and he burst on the scene and was going to be mega star and just massive knee injuries. Wow. And it, it really curtailed his career. And they needed a running back in right after that, right after he's finally mm-hmm. done, and they draft Barry Sanders from Oklahoma State. He wore 21 in college. And it was taken by some you know, second-year <laughs> defensive back. He said, that's all right. I'll, I'll wear 20. Wow. And it kind of is an honor to Billy yeah. Sears. Wow. I did not know that. That's uh, really interesting. But I know a lot of people, you know, up in up in Detroit, I mean, they are uh, they're super excited for what Sunday could be. And, for uh, my Lions. For your Lions, Brett. And uh, We've waited so long, Brian. Uh-huh. Yeah, tell me about all the years. And uh, Well, it's yeah. really about two weeks. I've been <laughs> ever been since the, two weeks. Ever since the Cowboys got <laughs> yeah. knocked out, yeah. then you, you – it's been a long two weeks. Yeah, Brett, I, I, I wish when I had started working here, I kept a list of the teams that were my team. Oh, well, yeah. my, I know the Browns were in there at one point, right. uh, maybe the Jaguars, Cleveland. Cleveland. Yes, Tried I mean, Cleveland a time uh, or two. Good Lord. I mean, it's just uh, been a lot. 
Uh, Curious who next week's going to be if the if the Lions when, lose. When Eli was with the Giants. Sure. It was my Giants. Giants, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Well, uh, I'm sure you need to, especially if that game starts going south, you need to start thinking about who your team for these I, next I, two I weeks because will be. I just really have never had an NFL team. I, you know I love it. You oh, know yeah. I watch it. You know I keep up with it. I just never have had a team that, that stuck. I, I, I've tried with a million. Uh-huh. I tried 70s with Cowboys and Steelers. Yeah. And, it didn't feel right because I knew I was just kind of jumping in uh-huh. on the victory pile. Tried in the 70s with the Saints with yeah. Archie, and that really didn't feel right because yeah. they were so bad, and they almost killed him. Well, I don't remember <laughs> the uh, the the actor who was at an NFL game a couple years ago, and he was just wearing an NFL hat. It was just oh, Rob shield. Lowe. It was Rob, Rob, Rob Lowe, and he was just wearing the shield on his on his hat. That's what you need. You just need, need the shield. You just love the NFL, <laughs> and, and that's what you're here for. Well, we need to wrap up this hour and get to a break. Let me remind you were out here at the Agri Center for the Mid South Sport and Boat Show. They're going to be out here all week. And get out here now. We're giving away uh, tickets for uh, this coming up week Memphis versus Rice. We got two four packs. So make sure you get over here, sign up for that, and check out everything they've got out here at the Agri Center. But like I said, if you can't make it today, they'll also be here tomorrow and Sunday. $10 to get in. Um, really, really good deal. But let's go ahead and wrap up this hour. When we come back, we're talking Tiger basketball with Jason Munns.